Hey everyone, I'm Harrison Tellion with Bottom Line Design. And I'm Agree. And this is Josh Dickinson. Awesome, Josh. Uh, so Josh is a really, really uh, talented photographer, friend of mine. Um, Josh, do you want to just dive right in? Tell us a little about your Genesis story, how you got started? Yeah, so I am a commercial photographer director based in New York City. Um, so basically, I make the ads you see on your TV and your tiny device in your hand, and you're probably listening to this on. Um, but yeah, went to, uh, went to school for photo, and it was all fine art, and somehow ended up in New York after that because that whole like, oh, I just spent how much money in college? I should probably try to use this like fake piece of paper that I have in my hands now. Um, and years later, somehow just between like assisting other people and working at like big photo store, I just found my niche and it ended up being this like still life world of, you know, little pictures of like beauty products and food and whatever, you name it, you know, making acne cream sexy. Like that's, it's the dream. And Oreos. Right. Yes. Well, and what was, what was the story of you finding your niche? Like where, where did you start out? Did you have an idea of where you wanted to kind of like end up? What, what was that journey? Oh, there was not even an idea of like what was out there. It was like, I, my college prepared me very little for like the real world of like, Hey, this photography thing, like, let's make money doing this. Let's, oh, you want to pay your rent? That's, huh, funny. Um, <laughs> so I came to New York after straight out of college and I worked at B&H, that giant photo, video, audio store for a year and absolutely hated it. But every day people would come in being like, yo, how do I get this look? I have a job coming up. And I'm like, wait, you, someone's, you don't know how to do this and someone's hiring you? Like, why, why aren't I the person? doing this. Whoa. So I uh, started reaching out and assisted other photographers. And I basically assisted every genre. And at the time was like making my own work. And they were just bad portraits, like lifestyle portraits. Like the thing you think of when you're like, oh, photographer, like, let's put a, right. a, a attractive person in front of a camera. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what you do. That's photography. Uh, and I just wasn't like good at it. Like, it was fine. But now I show those pictures to like people I mentor and I'm like, no, you all have to start somewhere. Like let's laugh at this. <laughs> right. That is that your like sort of your embarrassing early stage work that you had to, you had to grind out to get to where you are now. Kind of like it, it just felt like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to take pictures of like the people around me and stuff. And it just like this, it's so saturated, especially now that everyone has a cell phone that is just as good as like a big camera. Like right. anyone can take those like casual smiling person on the beach or whatever. Um, and it was through assisting random photographers and like other people passing my name along that I ended up on these jobs that like I ended up with a still life person and I'd never been on one of those shoots before. And I was like, Oh, this vibe, I like, it's much more calm. Like I had, I started my first internship was for a big fashion photographers and like mm. the Vogue's and all those things. And the first time I went on set, I, they literally built a, um, there's something called a V flat. It's essentially two four by eight foot pieces of foam core with like a tape hinge on them. So they like make a, a V and they stand up on their, oh, on their own. Yeah. So they made a fort of those around me where I was at a computer and told me, don't be seen. Don't talk to anyone. You eat last. And it was this like messed up culture where I was like, I don't want to be part of this like this is not how we treat people like just and as a whole do you, 
do you think that this was this is this like the fashion world uh it, it yeah. yeah what is that i it's like the cool kids club you know and it's all it's much more prevalent in the fashion world for the directors photographers to be more of like celebrities in their own like the people that mm-hmm. they're photographing and it just there's just more egos in that world and i, I just wasn't a fan of it like i, I can kind of see where they're coming from like oh who's this random intern showing up like yeah don't talk to the head of this giant like multinational company or like you know this victoria yeah, secret model to like sequester right. you this yeah this like, much in this like they can do it in nicer ways <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So you're you're what you're saying basically is that the devil wears Prada is real. Doesn't just apply. Yeah, it's, oh, it's real, real, and it even extends to fashion photography, not just oh, fashion yeah. journalism. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So like after doing that, I was like, okay, so that's one end, and then I ended up on like a still life set, and I just remember the photographer being really calm and like, since the sets are smaller, you know, it's a tabletop usually, or most of the time, um, it was just like me and him and like one person running the computer and I was like, okay, turn this up a little bit, turn this down. And it was like little detail things. And yeah. I was just like, Oh, everyone was really nice to each other and like had a good time and no one is freaking out. Like the stress level was just more chill. And so I was like, yeah, I was like, I kind of liked that. And then at that time I was building my portfolios. So I went and shot these pictures in my living room of just random things I had like, Oh, I think I took like my, my roommate's like we was one of the first things I ever shot. And then like a random bottle of like <laughs> whiskey and just put it on my nightstand. And I was like, just took pictures of it. And do you remember the whiskey? It was doors. It was like a really old okay, bottle we'll, of doors. We'll I took that for from my the dad. Thumbnail. Yeah, oh, wow. I just, like, stole it from my dad. I'm pretty sure. Um, I want it to, I want it to go back. Um, because I feel like the hardest jump is that zero to one. So mm-hmm. for you, it was B and H going into that first fashion shoot. How many instances did you have at B&H where you were like, why am I not doing that? Oh, it was every day. Do you happen to rem- It was like it was literally every, every single day. I I also just, there's this one person, type or more type of person that would come in yeah. at least, basically once a day, you could guarantee it. And uh, it was someone asking for that music video look. And in my mind, Nuh-uh. I'm like, I'm... Like I'm thinking back to like late '90s, early 2000s, like MTV, and I'm like, you mean like the the P Diddy, Missy Elliott, like fisheye, like where they're like the fish, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it's like the Buster was like knocking, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Head. So like if Green I'm, Lambo like, in the back, like that's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, so that, and you're like, you know, you, you're doing customer service, so you ought to be nice about it. You're like, oh, you mean this, and you show it to them, and you know, like camera gear and video gear, all this is like, it's all expensive, like it's, and right. so I'd be like, so on like the like the you know the cheapest one i can recommend starts at like 300 and like they go up to whatever many thousands of dollars you want to spend and they would get mad at me for it being like 300 that's more than i'm being paid for the whole day in my mind i'm just like who is <laughs> who is you're agreeing to do a whole shoot for 300 like that's holy cow i'm like and you have like this is not a solo thing like you need a team to do these things and so i was just like ah, who are these people they don't seem to have like I don't want to even say a business sense, but like a basic common sense to to do this and like not lose money trying to do a thing. Um, but yeah, so those people came in every single day. I was like, oh, these people are like, like they there's ways to do this without spending money. And like, I'm just like, I I can do this. Why aren't and, I doing and it? And what were what were those moments 
where like do you happen to remember something that kind of was like that do you happen to remember that that epiphany moment where you're like you know what bnh is just not going to cut it for me anymore i've heard too many of these same instances happen i want to now do it myself what did that uh, moment in your life look like oh, i could feel it like it was just a like a back of my mind like itch that i could kind of feel like even the day i started there it was like this isn't gonna suffice like the first day they put me selling camera bags and i was like i don't even own a camera bag like i don't I don't care. And then in like, they have trainings and stuff. And I caught the trainee like or trainer saying false information, just like basic camera Whoa. stuff that was like wrong. And I was like, um, no. So at that point I was like, let's see how, let's see how this goes. And it was just very much like being there. I was like, oh, I am, very, I, I'm a doer. Like I want to be hands-on doing the thing. Yeah. Not just yeah. sitting behind a desk selling people stuff and then also like occasionally you sell something that's like your entire yearly salary in like an hour and you don't even you know you're like <laughs> yeah it's like all motivation yeah, gone it was the time day. i was like here's yeah. a fifty thousand dollar camera like cool i don't even get a bonus for this sweet yeah wow. it, seriously yeah you sell like a hustle blot and it's like suddenly yeah. like okay like i was part of that sale also right? <laughs> i'm like i'm 22 years one 22 years old at the time like i'm selling a hustle blot like i've never at the time like i've never been on a real photo show like and I'm selling like this thing that's like Hasselblad to someone. I'm like, I don't, yeah, I kind of know in, what I'm doing in theory, but like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you find, I just, I, and I, I don't want to like, you know, bore you with these questions no, about cool. your early start, but I do feel like this zero to one will yeah. help a lot of like the type of viewers uh, that, that, that may be watching this right now. If, if they were in a similar position, where they're probably working like odd jobs or retail, mm -hmm. or maybe they don't even have that luxury to work in the industry space yeah. in retail. How, how would you recommend that they get started? And you even said yourself, like you didn't have like a bunch of like the crazy equipment that's probably behind you right now no. back in the day. And it, we all know, like pros will always tell us like, it's never about the equipment. It's never about the software. It's always about like the person. Yeah what did that transition look like for you like building up your skill sets to define josh dickinson yeah um a lot of it was well the the jump and the building the skill set were like a little different because i didn't do the jump directly from working retail to shooting like i did mm. the step of working as crew for other commercial photographers because it's kind of there's no to my knowledge there's no real school where people actually teach you what you need to do to make that successful. It's such a, like everyone knows about this, but it's such a niche community that like, uh, it just doesn't, doesn't exist. So my jump from B&H to, I just call it like my start of freelancing because B&H is my first ever full-time job. And that's the only one I've ever had. And it was for less than a year. <laughs> I was just like, no, this isn't for me. Um, but I knew it was going to happen. I was very unhappy there. And I started saving up money to invest in some equipment just for my like a nice digital camera like i have some like on camera flashes but like the cheap stuff basically and thankfully like i did have a little bit of a discount working there not on like the good items but like the cheap stuff that they rebranded themselves like those had a discount of course all that gear broke in the first year of me using it but uh <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah so i I knew I was going to do it and just like kind of bit my tongue for a few months, saved up some money, bought basic gear that I thought I could use to 
if like a small job came by, I could at least do it without having to like figure mm-hmm. out renting something or borrowing and putting myself in a, in a place where I didn't want to be to, to make it happen. Um, and also just gave me the tools I needed to practice my own craft. Uh, what was that first client like? So you admit you're telling us like you made that transition from B and H, or maybe it sounds like you were like a PA at some point. Oh yeah, I just left. And then I was just like, you just nothing just... <laughs> lined up. Literally nothing lined up. Yeah, I yeah. just had. Oh, so you didn't you you weren't like doing something where like on the side you're trying to see if you can get some gigs or oh, or get no. some shoots. I had no time. You just dove in. Yeah. Wow. Really? Because the the work schedule there is really weird. It, since it's retail hours, it's like like nine to seven or something. And there's no windows in the building because they cover them all to merchandise. So like when you leave, you're just kind of like zonk. You're just like, I just need to go like not be asked questions about things for a bit. And like, I, it just was very draining for me. Um, Mm. Like, yeah, the only sunlight I saw was riding my bike to and from, from like Brooklyn to Manhattan every day, which also doesn't help your mental, you know, health of just being in darkness or like artificial light all day. Um, but yeah, I just knew I was so, going to jump to freelance and just, okay. so I, you know, for a bit had nothing lined up and I just emailed and emailed and emailed photographers, agencies, everything being like, Hey, do you need an assistant? Do you need like, mm. I'm happy to like meet up, grab coffee. Like I'll work a day for free to see if we're a good match just to like get into the rotation. And I just like hustled really like. Tell us a little bit more about that hustle. Oh, it's like what it, it, it's just. It's doing work you don't like doing. It's being annoying. And you're like, I am annoying people. And now I know, like, have, now that I'm on the other side, it's like, it's the luck of hitting someone up at the right time in their life where they happen to need, like, whatever mm-hmm. opportunity, like, you're trying to fill. Um, but, yeah, it was, I, like, invested in some email marketing things. Or even at that time, I think I just Googled. It was just, like, photographers in New York and then I'm like oh uh and then I figured like oh well if a photographer's represented at an agency that means they're making enough money that like someone else is taking a cut so like they probably have more positions on set when they shoot so I would email the agency too and be like hey so-and-so needs an assistant or just and then everyone on the roster I would email and I found like the limits of what you can send in a gmail account in a day before it thinks you're spam it's around like three thousand um, <laughs> so you were sent, yeah, you were sending 3000 emails, not at that point with the personalized ones, but later in my career, when I was hitting up people to get like editorial jobs, yeah, I was like, I used a special, like a program that helped find people's emails and I like to kick it off. Right. I was, yeah, I was sending three, like more than 3000. It was like 3000 emails at a time. Cause I had to batch them into like a BCC thing or it was like 3000 in a day, but then only like 600 something per email, like on BCC. Right. Like I figured it out just by doing it, not by looking it up. I was like, Oh, like the Google server rejected me on this one. Like, let's try again. Uh, so it was just a lot of like doing that annoying work and just blasting people. Like, hey, 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 Hey. A lot of responses from mailer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> brother, I think. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a great workaholics episode where it's like they're trying to land a gig with some famous man and he's like it's all right like his assistant uh emailed me back saying um you know uh anyway joke for another time um i think you yeah. question. 
yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask, like, like what was the the gap of time from when you left your full time job to the first time somebody gave you a dollar for your work? Um, for assisting, probably. Like, sure. Yeah. You know, I was maybe like over a month or so. Like. I mentally knew like I needed padding to get by for like at least three months of trying to reestablish mm -hmm. myself as this other role that, and just because the freelance world, it's just who, you know, and like, once you get that rolling people you work with recommend you when they're not free and it, it kind of just spitballs from there. It's like a, the community is kind of good in that way, but that first jump, it's just being prepared to like do nothing. And at a certain point I had to learn to, like I would send all these emails and by like noon and like, oh, I like my email says I can't do anything else today. And it was like, I, how do I, what do I do now? Like, you know, you had to find like hobbies to fulfill yourself outside of work and things like that. Sure, and then all your sure. friends are at work. So you're like, Oh, well, what do I, right. <laughs> I could guess. Them. How'd, you, how'd you find that? How'd you find that? So like, I guess I have two yeah. questions on that. Like who was that first person that believed in you and what did they believe in you with? Um, and then how did you find motivation? Because when we're, we're all entrepreneurs on this call, right? Like, how do you find that motivation in those moments where there are moments of waiting during your entrepreneur, like, yeah. entrepreneurship, like uh, founding story? Like what, how did you find that motivation? Yeah. Um, well, I think the first person that believed in me, I think it was, I got put in touch with people who were already assisting, like from, I think it was like, someone who ran the photo labs at the school I had went to, they graduated like years before, like four years before me. And they gave me the email of someone who was already assisting like fashion photographers, which is how I ended up like at that fashion photographer thing. Um, but they had their own test shoots and I assisted them to kind of learn the ropes. So I was like mm -hmm. giving my time for free on weekends doing that whenever they had something. And then at some point they were like, Oh, like you're, you know, the ropes, like you're good enough that if I call and say, or like someone reaches out for a basic job, I can be like, I can't do it, but here's this guy, you know, he's kind of green, but he's good. Like, and so I think my first one, yeah, was that. And I think it was just like an e-commerce, like shooting people in clothes on white. And I remember having to like hunt down that check too. Like that was like, they didn't pay me even net like 60. It was like past net 90. And I was wow. Okay. So you, you kind of, you got introduced to the art of collection real quick, like at the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I deal with it even now, like I have a successful business now and like, even now clients are like, I was just talking, I was actually out to drinks with a producer from an agency. I did a job with like last year and I was like, joking. I mean, I had a little mm -hmm. too much drink at the time and I like let slip. I was like, yeah, well, like, yeah, well, yeah, I know you guys didn't get the advance for that job you're shooting today, but also I have this job that like I built 140 days ago and that was after the retouching and like, so this next round's on you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That went for the company card yeah. drinks that night. Um, <laughs> so as is, just. yeah. So like stuff like that, like it, sadly it's the way the industry works and you're kind of at the mercy of like the giant companies at a certain point, like the smaller companies are a little easier to, Cause there's like, you can find a person to like answer. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's the freelance thing. And then, um, so collections is industry agnostic. Yeah. Is what you're saying. People just don't want to pay. Yeah. Period. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. And I think I was, I was just going to say on that subject, like, I feel like one of the, you're, 
like as as an entrepreneur, once you actually find something that people are willing to pay for, you're only really going to get as far as your ability to collect on it. Because, yeah, if, if you have any sort of cash cycle type stuff, I mean, this is where also the bottom line in the bottom line design comes out, right? Is like, yeah, of course, it's it's really important to to be great at the craft. But if you're if you're not able to collect the money that your customers owe you, yeah. well, it's, you're just going to get it's like alive. I need to pay the rent, like you know, like. Rent's not cheap. Yeah. Like if I don't have internet, I can't email people. Like there's, there's I have all the, you know, we all have these bills. Um, yeah. Uh, I've quickly learned just from that first jump. It's like always have padding, like at least for the freelance or like, like, yeah, you can put money in savings and stuff, but like keep money liquid because you don't know what'll happen. You know, like you might have all these jobs lined up, but then, what if a bunch of them just don't pay you and you're like waiting it out and you're like, you know, it's as much as it's your given right to like, Hey, like you owe me money at the same time. It's not a good look being like, Hey, I need this. Like then you look almost unsuccessful begging your client and like, I need to be paid. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to overdraft. Like you can't say that to like, it just looks yeah. bad on you, even though they're the ones not paying you on your agreed contract. Like it's, that must have taken a toll on your mental health like very early on in your career. How did you, and you, I, I, you kind of like touched on it earlier, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. Like, how did you protect your ambition and integrity and motivation during that, that time? Uh, in the beginning, I mean, I just kind of told myself I didn't have a choice. It was like, I'm like making the mm -hmm. jump. It was like, okay, well, I'm the only one who's going to get myself work now. You know, like no one owes me anything. It's just... right if I'm not driving like business to myself, like no one else is. And I think from very early on, I kind of just, I learned, especially in photography, like no one cares about what you make or do. Like you have to make them care. Like, like, you know, you go to any party and you tell them what you do. And for me, it's like, Oh, my, my, my Joey takes pictures too. And you're like, cool. Like that's not, you know, it, it could be just think of like yeah. that aunt talking to like clients, you know, that's probably what half of yeah. people trying to get work yeah. them sound like. And yeah. It, what were, what were some of those elements that like you found yourself deploying to make them care? Yeah. Uh, a lot of like just in, just from the, off the bat acting like their friend, it was a lot of, it feels like, it feels like for me, at least as in, like, I think I'm introverted. I could not be, who knows, or maybe not anymore, but it's very much an act of being very open and friendly and just making someone enjoy the experience of being around you because they have a choice of hiring other people. And a lot of times clients aren't the most savvy to like who is the most technically or creatively like ambitious or like who's the best at doing that. So a lot of times people just pick, you know, the people they work with based on who they like interacting with. And it's, kind of providing that service. I was like, oh, like, I just need to be, yeah, like, oh, so nice to meet you. That's why I always did, like, off the bat, if I was trying to work with someone, I'd be like, oh, let's grab a coffee. So, like, that personal stuff, mm. like, oh, well, like, right. if I get an email, you can say, like, no. But if you don't pitch someone on anything in person, you're just like, oh, let's just grab a coffee. It's harmless. And then face-to-face, -face, if you kind of, like, pitch, like, oh, let's work together, yeah. they usually don't say no. They'll say, like, oh, yeah, I'll keep you in mind. And even if they don't mean to, right. like it's still there because they remember that interaction and sitting down with you. And yeah, it's a lot of, yeah. 
So, so do you like, we love talking with entrepreneurs about what, you know, in startup land gets described as the go to market motion, you know, sort of the mm -hmm. steps you're going to take to go find customers yeah. and find customers consistently. Do you bake into your routine at this point, um, time every week uh, or every month dedicated just to socializing within the industry or industries that your customers are in? Is that sort of part of your operating model now? Um, surprisingly not. I think I might do it subconsciously. Also just a lot of my mm. friend base now, having like worked in the industry for probably, like, I think working at the level I'm at, it's probably coming up on like seven, eight years. A lot of yeah. my close friends happen to be sometimes in positions like producers at agencies or you know, they just work in, they work in the industry somewhere. So like, we'll always talk and do that. And I know in the beginning, a lot of it was like, before I had representation with like an agency that does some of these things for me, it was, yeah, I sent so many, it was a lot of those emails just sending out, it was socializing my work more than socializing myself because no one knew who I was yet. Mm -hmm. um, and anytime I, you know, a friend was like, oh, I'm going out with so-and-so, like their, their partner works at this company. And it's like, oh yeah, maybe I'll go. And it's not even to like brown nose and like get them. It's just, if you're in someone's orbit, like if they like you and they might reach out and it's kind of like, oh, if I'm in their orbit, cool. I don't know. It was, it's that weird. Like you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to like, target people to be friends to get work from them or anything, but it's, yeah it's still just making opportunities like people trust people in their circle more than a complete stranger. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And like you, it, there, there is, I, I feel like it, what you just described gets like such a bad rap really quickly if you don't understand it, which is like, yeah, it could be perceived as like targeting, but really it's just like, I think that to be an entrepreneur, you have to genuinely want to meet everyone under the sun and get yeah. to know them. Because entrepreneurs, like, we're always about just consuming new knowledge, meeting new people, understanding stories so that we can learn and, and better ourselves. How do you, how do you, how did you go about, how did you go about, like, establishing those authentic relationships and then it not panning out? Like, wh wh what, what ended up happening where you were like, did you end up being able to go back to those people later on after you kind of, like, got some stuff under your belt? Uh I don't think I have. I know there's always like, cause it is such a small world. Like I've, you know, in the past, like kind of started dating someone in the industry that you meet. And then like, that doesn't end well. And then all of a sudden, like years later, they're like some high position who actually hires photographers all of a sudden, when you met them, they were like lower end. And you're like, Oh, well, they, yeah, that's not gonna, <laughs> I guess I'm not going to hit up that company right. for marketing. Right. Like, <laughs> as, as long as that person's in charge, like, I don't, just hearing, you know, yeah, she just like stories. hearing your name. It's like, all right, like whatever. Um, so like, you know, the goal is never to be a bad person or anything, but sometimes like friends and lovers break up for whatever reasons. And it's, there's, you know, there's friction. <laughs> um, yeah. Friction, yeah. Sure. But, yeah. We, we've all yeah, been there. Kind of like, but meeting the people and like setting up like who your circle is. I think a lot of like back when you're saying it's tough for people to understand, like you like almost hate saying targeting people that are like in your industry, but it's also, those are the like-minded people because they're, you know, they're in your orbit. They're, 
they're not doing the exact thing you're doing, but they're hiring people yeah. that are doing what you're doing. And like, so you're both thinking about yeah. creating the similar things. So even if it's like, I yeah. might not make work that that person's company they're at now, like does anything with, but we can talk big picture and like do that. And, and those relationships yeah. downline, you know, they end up working at a different company and all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, this new place I'm at has a creative direction. That's like right up your alley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that like what, what you're describing is something that uh, a lot of people seem to be waking up to now is that, that oftentimes they would talk about product market fit and a lot of the problem for a lot of ways, a lot of people waste a lot of their time. Um, you know, honestly, even like us included it, uh, in the past was like, uh, if you don't have founder market fit and you're not naturally just, you can't help but socialize and connect with people and get to know them uh, in your industry or within the segment of customers you're trying to serve, it's always going to be an uphill battle, yeah. you know? And like, I mean, uh, the example even that you gave of like, uh, you know, uh, dating, uh, dating somebody in your industry. And, and now they're sort of like a hot shot. Sure. Like on one side, if it, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, but on the other side, it's, I actually kind of see it as a positive signal that you're so naturally among your people that the kind of people you work with are also like, so value aligned that, uh, you know, if the right person came along, you like, you date them yeah. as well. Well, you also know? like, I don't know, I find talent attractive. Like if someone makes cool things and like has a good eye, like, I work in yeah, a visual right. field. Like if you also like have a good eye for things, I'm like, yeah, that's attractive. Like <laughs> I'm not going to date someone with right, bad taste. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, even the example you gave of like how you were out with, uh, with a customer for drinks and you like, you know, you had gotten tipsy. Like it, it sounds, it sounds absurd, but I feel like that's, that's kind of like a strong signal that you're in the right lane. Right. Mm -hmm. That like this is a space that you're in that you can actually socialize with the people who you do yeah. business with yeah because then like you said it's all about yeah, who you know. know and at the end of the day like for my type of work like when the days i actually get hired and we're on shoots those start at 10 hour days and easily go to 12 like for motion they, they're like 12 is the standard it's like you're on you're in a studio with these people especially if it's like you know you have a week-long shoot you know that's five yeah, days two, that's 50 hours at least <laughs> Like you want right. to get along with these people, yeah, you want yeah. to have a good rapport and be able to communicate the things like, oh, cause like there's an art director, creative director telling you they want it a certain way. And if you, you know, you already have conversations with them, you can see where they're coming from. Like that just flows easier. And then they want to work with you more. Yeah. Right, right. And then, I mean, it's kind of like pick your poison. You know, do you want to spend uh, five, 10 hour days um, where you're in the calm of the product photography or do you want to be like shoved into a corner with like a dunce cap on and then like them being like if i see you make eye contact with anyone you're over you're yeah. in this industry forever you, right? you <laughs> said excuse me to the wrong person at the craft food table like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're finished i'm gonna make sure you never get another gig in yeah. this town again <laughs> obviously without naming any names like do you have like a terrible story for us um for, I mean, that one was probably the worst, like the like the worst thing. Also, on that same shoot, since I was the bottom of the barrel, the photographer we were shooting at the now like defunct Milk Studios, which for a while like had the reputation of being like one of the uppity, the fancy ones. Like they had okay. they delivered fresh orchids every few weeks to every studio in there, and like there was Aesop soap in all the bathrooms. Like, granted, I did 
once my career kicked off, I did like shooting there. I made friends with like the studio booker and like they did like, yeah, yeah <laughs> they, they, you know, they were very nice to me. Thanks, and, Milk, yeah. Milk the Martyr. Yeah. yeah. Like they were very nice to me and helped me out. Um, but like some of the people that did shoot there, it was like, it was a type of world. But the photographer, usually like there was like hierarchy of like the second or first assistant would tell me what to do because like I was the bottom of the barrel. And the photographer came directly mm -hmm. up to me and asked me for a pot of tea. And then he did like one of those like, oh, I think I don't think you heard me right. I didn't say like straight from um, Parks and Rec when he's like, no, I think you heard a lot of eggs. I want all of your eggs. He was like, no, no, not a <laughs> cup of tea. I want a pot of tea. And I'm like, I'm in a fucking photo studio. Like, right. Yeah. Like, what do you want? Like, from I, there's hot water. Like, here, let me, uh, this is it's it's like um it's like making the band that like famous scene from the MTV show where, where like Diddy asks uh asks like the people to get the yeah. cheesecake and they have to like basically like walk across Manhattan yeah. by foot to, to get like a slice of cheesecake yeah. for him. And you're like I like there's other tasks I have to be doing, but you're kind of important because you're like in charge and you're the one hiring me and like yeah 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 I think I I ended up making it happen somehow. I just kind of pulled the like stressed lowest person on the totem pole face to the uh to like the people working there just like i don't know i just my boss told me it just needs to be a pot of tea i just don't <laughs> <laughs> and and the people probably that like the ops people who like run run the space were like oh, we see this like every <laughs> yeah yeah like like 15 minutes later a pot of boiling water and like tea like a tea set came out where am i <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Like, for I always find that like uh, people that have an aura around them inspire others around them to kind of just whip action into order out of literally nowhere. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to ask you about is um, how did you how did you find yourself uh, dealing with like um, people that maybe like brought you down or didn't believe in you? It could be like friends, family, industry professionals. I mean really thankfully everyone in my family like they they pretty much know what i do like but no one was ever negative like i had the fortune like both my parents went to like have a creative background my dad went to photo school and for years was a retoucher when it was airbrushing and my mom's a graphic designer uh so like when i was like yeah i want to do photography they were just like cool you're gonna go to college great because you don't have a choice because we are upper middle class and that's what you do <laughs> right, um, right. And did you want to go to college? I never crossed my like. I don't think I thought about it until the day where my parents like, you know, you have to go to college, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that was the the quote. It was like, you know, you have to go, right? Wow. And I was like, and now I do. Um, yeah, now I do. <laughs> wait, wait. Was it a choice at, at some point? Would you go back to college? Again? Oh yeah. Like I think. I mean, not now. Like I'm too old and don't like drinking that much for that now. But like. Um, as an experience, yeah. Like, did I learn some cool photo things? Sure. Did I learn a lot more of like how to be a human and like take care of myself? Like that's and like socialize with people. Like that was the bigger experience than it's like just being on your own and doing that and yeah, like making friendships from nothing. You know, it was like skills that you don't get in like growing. Well, I guess if you moved, maybe. But like for me, I lived in the same town my whole life. Right. So it was like, I knew where these people were. Right. But, and 
I actually, I have a, I have a question kind of bringing, bringing things back to the, yeah. to the present real quick. Like, you know, what's, what's really cool about getting to talk with someone like you is that you've, you've found your groove. Um, it's, it's clear that the people who are in your industry know that they can come to you to get great work done. Mm. And so like now that, now that you are where where you are compared to where you were right after you left your full-time job how do you think about you know goals you want to hit or where you want to take things in the next 12 months or the next 24 months um once all this stuff has been you know figured out at the level I mean, that now it has. I feel like the motivation to make to do things is so much harder now cuz like the risk isn't yeah. there like there's the fire of you don't have a choice like make this work it's not really like, it's not really like I can, you know, honestly, I have enough money to kind of keep going. And I, I'm fortunate enough now I have, like, I own all my own equipment, so I can do that. And it's like, once you have something, you take it for granted, kind of. So I think now it's taking those relationships I have with some of my friends who also work in the industry and collaborating with them to kind of just make cool things. And that's, mm. that's kind of where I'm at now. It's a lot of like, just reaching out to your friends like i have like a bunch of friends who do food styling or prop styling and we met because we were on those days like working together creating stuff and you know we go out and do non-work things too but we all have that thing in common we like to make stuff so it's kind of like rallying people together just to be like let's just make something cool and that's kind of this point and oh, you know oftentimes awesome. oftentimes what i find is like uh when friends get together just to make cool shit that actually is the beginning of a trend that everyone else wants to follow. And you actually end up creating uh founder pool, like pull in the world to basically be like, okay, well like Josh and his friends just created some really cool shit. Now I want to be part of that yeah. really cool shit. Yeah. And inadvertently you've just got like 10 new yeah. clients somehow, I'm you know, putting that work in the world. Like I've had, th- I have yeah. pictures that I just made as like a test with someone year, like, you know, maybe eight years ago, before I was even on my own, like, and they still occasionally end up in these clients, like decks of like, oh, this is the mood board we want. Like, like, little do you know, I made that picture on my, like, living room coffee table in a little apartment where I like moved all my furniture off to the side, like, yeah, and you're like, and now we're gonna do it in this, like, big fancy studio where we have all this room. And it's like really shot with one light or something like, there's a few industries out there where freelance does not make sense. Is photography one of those worlds? I know like you're part of an agency now. When did that jump happen? Why did you make that well, jump? So I think it's like two questions, like the freelance thing and the agency thing. Freelance, if you want to be the most successful in the photography world, freelance is a thousand percent the way to go because when you own your own images, you get the licensing for them. And there's a lot of money like after the fact in relicensing images or even just like, hey, it's company paid you to make the picture, but they haven't paid to use it anywhere outside of like the little screen in your hand on your phone. If they want to put it on the billboard or, you know, next to the cash register in a store, like that is different licensing and it's worth more because it's like a physical out of home object. Um, And so a lot of companies, like if you work in house, you get a salary and that salary is usually like it's less than what I make now, but also you have no, you don't have to do anything but show up and leave work. So it's kind of, it's a mindset thing. Like I yeah. very much like 
the grind of like figuring it all out and doing different projects. And there's a lot of people who like right. I know in house, I probably will never do just because I, it'll feel too boring. Like I'll be able to go into autopilot after like a week or two of doing it and just not enjoy it anymore. And yeah, but I also know people like, you know, they start a family and they're like, I need the stability. Like I, I just need a guaranteed paycheck because there's no guarantee in freelance any clients ever going to come back to you or like anything or like, yeah. you know, you have to figure out also all the things like health insurance. And like this week, my payroll company was like, Hey, we're stopped servicing the U S in one month. Like, bye, figure out your payroll. Like in a month, you have to redo it all. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, when you're full time, that stress isn't there, but yeah. A little bit more to that though. Like, there was a time that I remember where you were full freelance and you were like kicking up a storm yeah. with clients. And I remember we were chilling with Tay. That's my sister. <laughs> everyone watching. We're chilling with Tay. And um, I remember like you were like, you kind of came into our driveway and you're like, oh man, there's just like so many things I have to like now think about. And you listed like legal, finance, operations, scaling yourself. How did you find yourself being able to scale yourself as one person in an industry where like photography is up to yeah. you, the individual, how do you scale yourself? You just learn things real quick. Like it's kind of like, all right, well today I'm going to go on the internet and it's like, you know, you get a letter, like talk to, thankfully I have like a good accountant, like having people that you can lean on for those, um, those industries that you just don't know about, like no one teaches you how to run a business. Like I didn't go to B school. Like, even yeah. I feel like if you go to B school, like they're not going to teach you like tax filing things. Like no, they they teach you they teach you how to manage a business or like take over something that someone else has built. You know, I think that some of that is shifting, but you can't the, the stuff that you're talking no. about. You can't teach. Yeah, you can't like go to a classroom to learn that. You have to go out in the world and like yeah. you know scrape your. You knees, need the scary but, letter yeah, from exactly, like New York know. State Finance and Taxation being like this Dude. and then. Don't yeah, get no, us like, started. <laughs> I, I'm the one who receives yeah, those letters. And, and it's ha awful. Like, half the time they're from some fake company just trying to get you to pay $300 to put up like signs that say like for your employees so they won't sue you or something. And you're like, what is this world we're in? But yeah, it's figuring that out. Thankfully, friends of mine put me on a really good CPA who like answers my questions. And I realized like, oh, I just need like a payroll company. But it's just like figuring out the way to like, most cost-effective way to make your life less stressful in those things. And like, yeah, like I, it's knowing enough to get by to like call someone's bullshit, but like also relying on the professional to yeah, like yeah. not get audited or sued is like kind of what I've right. found. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of times it's like, yeah, like even just transferring over from being just a freelancer to being your like a self-employed to being your own business all of a sudden you're liable for all these more things and no one talks about it. And you're like, wait, now I need three right, types right. of insurance. And you're like, what? but I didn't need it when like this paper didn't have three letters after my name. Like, how does this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait, workers compensation. But, I'm the but only worker. I'm, I'm not going to sue myself. One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> Yeah, and you're like, I yeah. have direct access Definitely to my bank account. If I trip and fall, like my credit card's paying the hospital. Like we're good. <laughs> Do you, did you ever find that you were uh, you were 
Tell me about that moment where you felt tired when you had a lot of success being thrown at you. How'd you deal with that? How are you thinking um, about it? I know when like a lot of jobs go like back to back to back, I, cause I'm very hands-on and anal about things and I want to do them my way. And, you know, doing that, it takes a lot out of you cause you're the only one who can do them that way. And yeah, like I took on the retouching for a lot of projects. And sometimes if I had stuff lined up and like an, an opportunity would come that I couldn't say no to like a really good day rate, a client I wanted to work with, but it overlapped with like a retouching schedule I already had with a different client. I'd be pulling 10 hour days on set and then stay in the studio or like go back to like wherever and be retouching, like doing rounds with this other client at night. And it's just, you know, when you're not sleeping, it, you're just doing 15 hour days. Like it just burns on you and you kind of learn to try to find later, like, okay, maybe I'll reach out to a retouching company to have in my back pocket when this lines up because I'm not happy when things happen like this. Like I, you find the line yeah. of like where it's worth yeah. it to you to pocket that extra money and where it's worth it to you to have that just like mental release and peace of mind and like, just try not to be stressed. And like, you know, sometimes you don't like when you start, you don't really have that option. And it's kind of weird as you progress in your career and your success to be like, Oh, like I, I can afford to do this now. Like I have the luxury to do this, but then you kind of forget about how it used to be because that becomes your new reality. And it's right. You know, I find it's a lot of perspective. Like you have to keep perspective I think for probably every career. Like, you know, I'm sure in like yeah. a few months, you guys will have a whole different like podcast set up and you'll be like, Hey, remember when we like did this, like, I'm, you know, like this janky thing and you're like, ha ha ha. And you're like, right. Right. You look back on it. Right now, it's just it, literally all of our friends' goodwill coming yeah, on here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Last question. What's in store for Josh Dickinson in the um, future? I just want to make cool stuff. Like, at this point, I have coming out, like, now, I have a really big project that I shot last year, and we've been retouching it for, like, six months, um, which is unheard of, basically. <laughs> but it's a new done. I can actually talk about it now because it's live. Um, Don Julio is launching a new tequila product called Rosado and I did the key visuals for it for all the out of home. So there's going to be, it's already starting to hit their feed on the internet and there's billboards all around the U S like, wow. there's like 160 some odd foot long by 40 foot tall, like building out of home and by in Miami. That it's like, you know, my picture wrapped around a billboard, which is like, it's crazy, yeah. Uh, that is yeah. so cool. And then that like, is we so didn't cool. Push, yeah. Okay, wait, hold on. Then I have a bonus question. What What was the feeling like? It could have been it, it could have been that that most recent one, but what was the feeling? And then what did you do with that feeling? Uh, or sorry, what was the feeling? Uh, that first feeling like when you saw your work in something like pretty significant, and then what did you do? that same day or like that same week what did you do with probably that? when i because i first started shooting like editorials you know not that long ago magazines were still a thing <laughs> now they're kind of <laughs> a little right. a little harder to find but um yeah like seeing pictures of mine in print i think it was like my first ever thing in print was probably for bloomberg i want to say like bloomberg magazine and mm -hmm. i just remember like i don't even remember what i did that day but i just remember like See, even like 
I, like I did a thing and like people can go buy it. And like, you know, you go, you buy the magazine. You're like, yeah. I'm spending my own money to buy this thing that like someone paid me to be in. Like, I don't know, it was, it's a weird experience. You just want to be like, yeah, Barnes must be or whatever people buy magazines being like, Hey, open a page like 36. Like I took that. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. So for you, it was about yeah, reveling it was just in the more moment. about like, I did this cool thing. I mean, even looking back on it, like I had a moment last week where I was looking through my archive trying to find images for like a client deck. And I found the pictures from the, like the out of home where this campaign ended up like out in the world. And it was for um, this mustard company. Like, yeah, this is like, this is my life. I'm like, yeah, this mustard campaign I shot, like weird. Um, <laughs> and the pictures got printed and hung from like Quincy hall in Boston. And like, I went to school in Boston and like little, you know, 17 to 21 year old me, going to like art school thinking about fine art photography could never even fathom or even it was like not even anywhere of like one day like having pictures that were like hanging up in a huge public tourist spot like in a city and it was just yeah thinking back to being in class then and like being a ta and like that school and like even like i was teaching i was teaching assistant there and like even though i was in that just like i still had no idea that that was a thing that could happen really it's like when you think when I thought of it, I was like, "Yeah, it's like graciousness yeah, it's like, and humbleness came from there." And like, it's just, I don't know, it's just cool seeing like seeing your stuff out in the world in real places. I mean, like, who would have thought that would happen? Like, yeah, that's that's kind of the biggest thing. Wow. Yeah, Josh, thank you so much, man. I like we really appreciate it hearing your story. I know everyone watching at home is going to also really, really appreciate it. Um, this has been Bottom Line Design with Josh Dickinson and agree and Harrison. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I guess see you in the next one. Take care, y'all.